Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, my guest is Corinne Jordan. Corinne is a queen breeder from Brisbane, Australia, and her business is called the Bee Lady Apries. She's very well known for breeding Italian bees, but today she's going to be speaking to me about a new program she's got called BeeGenetics.com.au. Now, this program is all about breeding for Varroa resistance, which, as you might know, this has been a big problem for us here in Australia in the last year. If you didn't know, basically what happened is that it came into Australia about a year ago. We've been trying really hard to eradicate it, trying to contain it, but it is persisting. So if it does break out, programs like Corinne's, the one we're talking about today, are going to be really important for dealing with Varroa moving forward. But before we get into that, I want to let you know, if you're enjoying this podcast, you can also get it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and a bunch of other places. And if you would like to hear someone on the show or get in touch with me, you can do that by going to nixonbees.com.au. Okay, let's get on with the episode. Corinne Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Brent, for inviting me. I'm really excited to be talking to your listeners today. Oh, absolutely. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Could you start us off with a, a funny story about beekeeping? Well, I've probably got quite a few funny stories about beekeeping, although at the time they probably weren't that funny. Uh, so when when we first started out probably would have been in my first year when I didn't have any utes with loaders to shift bees um, and I got my husband to help move some bees one night and he, I was fairly new to the game and he had no experience with bees whatsoever. We had to carry them about 200 metres into a um, water treatment plant and... Um, after we got them all settled in safely and opened the doors, he he waved the torch right in front of the entrance when he was opening the door and they all came piling out because they weren't very impressed with the move and chased him and he went running off in the wrong direction oh, no. and ended up in the wastewater. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> At the water treatment plant yeah. and covered in all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and I think after that, I um, I couldn't get him to shift bees again for about two or three years with me. <laughs> so yeah, so oh, that's was, awful. <laughs> <laughs> there was that incident early on in the career in our career, um, and then another time I'd come back from beekeeping out at various apiary sites, and when I come back in, I generally just park the ute leave the doors open, run inside the buildings, do do something and then come back and unload. And when I came back, there was a goat inside my ute sitting on the driver's <laughs> seat eating the be- the burr cone oh, out no. of the burr cone container that I had in there. Oh, no. And the, uh, the next door neighbour's <laughs> goat had escaped. Oh, that's really so, funny. Yes. 
So, yeah, there, there's a couple of stories for you. There's plenty more, but um, I probably could spend all day telling you stories about beekeeping. Most people can who've been in it for a while. Yeah, well, thanks for that. Now, um, you've got this great new program that you've started. It's called uh, beegenetics.com.au. And uh, before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about what's happened in Australia over the last couple of years in, in terms of Varroa? Uh, yes. So in terms of Varroa or before Varroa, because... Yeah, that's right. Because because we've been sort of anticipating it for a while and bringing in a few things here and there, haven't we? Yeah. Um, so I actually been looking into breeding for varroa resistance for as long as I've been a queen bee breeder, which would probably be about 10 years. Um, the big issue around that, though, is is how do you go about it when you don't actually have varroa? So we've always um, looked at doing hygienic behaviour testing instead of um, counting mites because we don't have mites. So I've done a lot of uh, liquid nitrogen, freeze-killed brood testing over the years um, and pin-killed brood testing, which is just just testing for general hygienic behaviour in bees. Uh, and it's also, it helps with other pe- diseases like um, chalk brood and American fowl brood and EFB because the faster that bees remove infected brood from brood cells, um, the less likely those sorts of diseases are going to spread. Yeah. Right. And, and we've and you, we've brought in so Australian Queen Breeding Association has worked to bring in a few bees over the years. And do you want to tell us a little bit about how those efforts have gone? Yes. Yeah, so that's also something that I think of, there was a lot of queen bee breeders who've been working on that privately and not having much success. And then a consortium of beekeepers got together and AQB, with AQBBA support to try and um, import semen instead. There was no... So initially you could only import live queen bees into Australia until about 2016. And then there was a protocol written to bring in semen, which we thought would be a lot easier process than putting queen bees in a quarantine facility, uh, which was in Sydney and is now in Melbourne, where they go through quite a process. Um, I'm not familiar with all the stages I can't, well, I am familiar, but I can't remember them all precisely, but they, they initially involve um, taking all the attendants out that come in with the queen, then she gets reattended and treated for um, potential varroa mites and checked, they all get checked for all the diseases, all of her original attendants. She gets held for about two weeks before she's released to a nuke. That's, so it's quite a long process. And there's a lot that can go wrong in that time frame. So we all thought that bringing semen into the country might be an easier method of getting new genetic material or potentially um, VSH material into the country. The only problem is that we are finding it really difficult to clear deformed wing virus. So every country in the world that has Varroa has these viruses with it and deformed wing viruses 
one that is on our importation protocol that we have to test for. And we have been unsuccessful in clearing any bees anywhere so far of deformed wing virus. So we're still working on that. I think we're up to, this will be the third year that we've been with the same um, very cooperative queen breeder, VSH queen bee breeder um, in New Zealand, Ray Butler, who yeah. has also been on um, AQ, BBA and given uh, what a webinar mm -hmm. on her work. Yeah, Ray's great. So, yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's done a lot of work on varroa resistance in New Zealand and we're really excited to be dealing with her and hopefully be getting some material off her. Mm. It would be even nicer if we could also transfer some stock back to New Zealand somehow, but they, they have very strict importation requirements too. Yeah, and they won't even allow honey to come in, which is really interesting. Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah, I had Ray on the show last year and she told me about uh, VSH and also how New Zealand found that trait within their own population. Hmm. Yeah. Really interesting so stuff. I had noticed that you had had Ray on too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. Now, do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened in Australia last year in terms of Varroa? So I've... Um, followed it to some extent but not or don't have all the details and that would be that it arrived in Newcastle about the 22nd of June I think from memory somewhere around there mm. we were at we were at the uh, QBA conference in Warwick when they announced it to us and that was around about the um, yeah 20 22nd of 26th of June from memory somewhere around there and since then uh, it's been under eradication by the DPI. So DPI have been trying to eradicate and euthanise all the bees in around that Newcastle area. But they are now up to, I think it's 160 IPs. So yeah, it's slowly that, growing, isn't it? It's slowly growing. Um, they're still saying that it was one original mite family um, and they're still finding that, that all their IPs are related. They still think they have a chance of getting on top of it but I think that the, the amount of time it's been in the country now, that's another year. So mm. are we, we're looking at t two years. I think the longer it is, there is active mites on the mainland, the less our chances are of eradicating it i still hope that they can achieve that because we'll be facing enormous costs uh if it if we are faced with yeah yeah let's hope they can they can continue uh, working and doing doing what they're doing because they're doing a great job so far it's been a tremendous effort but if uh yeah if it does happen to take hold uh why would breeding for varroa be better than using treatments do you think well, breeding for varroa is definitely going to be more sustainable and less expensive because treatments, um, if we're going off uh, what the Ministry of Primary Industries in New Zealand are telling us, it's costing them between 14 to $19 a hive to treat. So if you 
got a thousand hives, you're looking at an extra at least fourteen thousand dollars a year to treat ongoing. And then that's not even taking into consideration the impact the impact that um, uh, Varroa is going to have on on us while we figure out what tr treatment plans work. We're definitely going to be losing bees in that process too. And that's going to have a flow-on effect to pollination industries and all sorts of other industries that we can't probably even manage, imagine that rely on bees. So having bees that are able to maintain uh, maintain themselves and look after their own health is definitely a better way to go. So, yeah, breeding for resistance makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about how that program works? Um, so it's going to start with looking at um, the UBO sprays that have been developed by Kira Wagner in um, the USA. She's come up with a spray that mimics the odours that are given off from brood that's infested with varroa mite. So in the absence of a varroa mite infestation, you can still use the spray to see if the bees will respond for it to it the same way. So I'll be testing probably four to 500 hives around Australia with beekeepers who are collaborating on this project to see what the response is and then selecting those bees that respond well to form a base population for a varroa-resistant breeding program. Right, yeah. Basically. Sounds great. So you'll be, and we discussed this earlier, you'll be actually testing hives that don't have mites in it. So it's going to be a little bit more challenging yeah. than what they had to do in New Zealand. So they, they were able to find the VSH uh, trait within their own population. And where you're trying mm -hmm. to do that as well here in Australia, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Without mites. Yes. So but that... but in, the, in the entire world... Every country in the world, they have always had a base population that are naturally resistant. So there's a very small percentage that we know are naturally resistant. It's somewhere in our population there will be. It's just a matter of finding them. This tool will allow us to find them. Right. Yeah. And so, so I'm looking at probably 2 to 4%. Right, right. And and have you already started using UBO? Yes, I have had access to it for about seven or eight months now. Um, I wrote to Kira Wagner probably early last winter and said, hey, I'm really excited about your research. Um, I'm interested in getting involved in field trials if you've got anything going. And after a lot of emails... Um, that happened, and so I trialled the product here through our previous season and just made sure that I'm happy that it does what it says it does and that I can work with it. Great. So, yeah. So what is it, what is it like to work with? Um, it's pretty effective because it, and it's quick and efficient uh, with I talked briefly before about hygiene testing. The pinprick test is 
quite an efficient test. But the liquid nitrogen freeze kill brood test is very labour intensive. And then also you have got to wait for, you've got to wait for the um, liquid nitrogen to thaw enough so that you can put the comb back or, and get your plastic tube off the brood that you've used to contain that area of brood that you've frozen. Uh, that takes about 15 to 20 minutes sometimes to thaw out. And then you come back 24 hours later. So it's kind of a two-day process. And when you've done a few of these over a few years, you just get to this, this, the conclusion that you just don't want to be lugging around a big, heavy liquid nitrogen container and going through all this labour-intensive process just to find out which bees are hygienic. So Kira Wagner's test is a two-hour test. You spray it, you put it straight back, and then you come back in two hours and have a look, and the job's done. So it's quite cost-effective and efficient compared to other hygienic tests. Yeah, really interesting stuff. So mm. the program is called uh, beegenetics.com.au, can you tell us how people can get involved? Um, so at the moment, I've got some collaborations I'm looking for. If they're a, they're sort of a, they're a pay for spray type collaboration, um, where I'm still, still got a few of those available, where I will be going around testing people's colonies. Um, I need some volunteers probably to help test colonies in various places. I'll be putting up information on my website uh, for specific things, which is www.begenetics.com.au. So if you keep checking in on the website and Facebook, I will let people know when there's opportunities for beekeepers to get involved in the breeding program. Um, at the moment, we are looking to finance the first year of work to to get that um, find that base population and get the program launched. So, really, my main thing at the moment is looking for about two hundred thousand dollars to cover the costs of all of that first year of work and get the project off the ground. And there is links through the website, which. I mentioned just a minute ago that also link into where you can donate to the project if you feel like it's worth supporting. Oh, absolutely. I think it's really important work that you're doing and, and I think that people would be more than happy to get involved. And thanks so much for telling us about that. Is there anything else you'd like to chat about today, Corinne? Um, probably I had a whole lot of things to say. <laughs> um I've been breeding bees for about 10 years now. So I've got a base population that's already selected for commercially desirable traits. Mm -hmm. um, adding BSH is achievable. And this is a fairly unique opportunity because while I have this population of bees to do this with, I can't offer. I can't make this offer indefinitely because the cost involved of maintaining the breeding population, um, they will keep mounting while I'm not earning an income doing something else. So it re I really do need it to be funded mm -hmm. to be able to do it, do the project properly 
and focus on it solely for the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. So if people want to get involved, they can find out what's happening at bgenetics.com.au. Also from your Facebook page, is there B Lady Abrys? Is that right? Uh, um, It's it's all going to be um, fed through www.bgenetics.com.au. Yeah. Now, one more thing I wanted to talk about is people who are in Australia, you would know Corinne for her Cordovan queen bees. And uh, mm-hmm. actually, before I did this interview, I, I told a few friends that I was going to be interviewing you and a few of them said, you've got to talk to her about the Cordovan queen bees. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Um, you're famous for them. Do you want to tell us, for those people who don't know what a Cordovan queen bee is, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, uh, now you've put me on the spot. Um, so. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, that's all right. I, did, I did mention uh, beforehand that I was going to be asking you about this, but I just re- I just realized that a, fr- a friend of mine was like, don't don't forget to ask her about the Cordovids. Yeah. Sorry. So the, Cord- <laughs> the, the Cordovans, um, I think there's some confusion, hopefully we've, We've resolved that over the years that they're a different species. They're not. They're 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 just a colour that's thrown by the Italian bees or Apis uh, mellifera linguistica. I think is the subspecies, but it, with a cordovan colouring, and cordovan colouring is like blue, the blue eye colour colours in people. It's recessive gene. So it's governed by a recessive gene. So you need both the queen and the drone she's mated with to have the cordovan colouring in order to get a cordovan queen bee. Yeah. Hmm. So they have to be bred basically by someone who's focusing on that task. Um, I do my breeding by instrumental insemination, so I'm able to select on the basis of colour. And I have always added, they're a very pretty bee, very attractive, very docile, very broody. Um, Yeah, they're really beautiful. I remember the first time I saw them, a a real estate agent friend of mine who I've done some bee removals from different properties, he called me up and he said, we've got this beehive on this property we're trying to sell. No one knows anything about it. And I turned up and uh, and I, I could see, even from a distance, I could see these little yellow flakes going in and out of the hive. And I thought, oh, geez, that looks funny. And I got over there and I saw straight away it was the cordovan bee, which I'd only ever read about and really, really beautiful, but striking. You can see it from a long way away. This this beautiful yeah. gold color they've got. And if people want to get one of those here in Australia, they can get in touch with you and pick one up for the next season. Is that right? Uh, probably not. Oh, no. Because no, I'm... <laughs> I'm not really producing queens anymore. Oh, really? I've, mm, I don't have um, – I used to be small-scale queen producer. I had around about 300 mating nukes. These days I have less than 50. Right. So I can't even produce queens. Now I generally I, – I breed queens. I'm a queen bee breeder, so I supply the producers. Right. So you would need to find the producers that I supply with breeding stock right. that has the cordovan colouring and buy them off them now. Right. Yeah. So if you are in the market <coughs> for picking Sorry. up a breeder queen, can people still get in touch with you to get a breeder queen? If my project goes ahead, that won't oh, be great. happening either. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh about that. But, yeah, if... Um, well, let's put it this way. You, you're either going to be able to get a breeder queen or 
you'll be getting varroa resistant bees, one or the other, not both. <laughs> right. Okay. Because well, um, I can't commit to both. Yeah. It. It. Yeah. So it it depends what happens with the funding. Um, at this stage, I my cutoff is the thirtieth of June. Um, before I know which way I'm going, I'm I'm going to make a decision on and on the end of the financial year, what my future looks like, one way or the other. Excellent. All right. So we've got until the thirtieth of June, a couple more weeks to convince uh, Corinne to continue with this work, and so. Um, once again, the website is bgenetics.com.au. Corinne, thanks so much for being on the show today. And uh, yeah, it was great. You're welcome, Brent. And thanks very much uh, on behalf of everyone in Australia for the work you're doing. Thank you. I, um, I enjoy what I'm doing and quite happy to keep doing it as long as it's um, paid for. Because basically, yep. I can't keep working for nothing. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So definitely as an industry, we've got to get behind you. And uh, yeah, mm. I think it'll be, I think people will be really happy to do that. So thanks again. Great. Thank you. Okay. Well, how about that? A varroa breeding program right here in Australia. Great work, Corinne. If you would like to get involved with that program, back that program, fund it, or just want to know what's going on, you can by going to bgenetics.com.au. Once again, thanks for Corinne for coming on the show today. Really, really appreciate that, and I wish you all the best. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can at nixonbees.com.au. And until next time, thanks so much for tuning in.